0: Oh, praise God. You know, when I hear you tell about all the things I'm doing, I'm like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> wow, do I, do I really do all those things? I don't know. Um, I, I want to talk to you today about faith and how faith feels weak. You know, when you hear the Lord and you hear Him tell you to do something, and it feels like this little teeny thing, and how is that ever going to happen? And some of you were here. Eight years ago this month, when the Lord spoke to me and said, you're going to go, I want you to go over and help um, uh, Pastor Rogers with the vision that he has for doing a, an orphanage and a school and a church. And my first response was, uh, uh, And so I went to four people, and some of you know this story, I went to four people and said, you know, who I really respect in the Lord, and two of them were, were Jared and Ann, and I said, you know, here's what I think the Lord's saying, and every one of the four would say, oh, yes, that's the Lord. And I'm like, no, no, you're supposed to say no. <laughs> I don't want to go to Africa. It's hot there. Um, and so I, I, I did what the Lord said, and, and I went, and it just feels weak. Faith always feels weak, at, at, at least in my life. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's in your life you just feel so strong when you hear something from the Lord. But I always feel weak first and then begin to walk out what God wanted. Um, I, I always have heard those people who are faith teachers, faith whatever, you know, and, I, and they're just always so strong, right? And then I'm the, I'm the weak person. I'm like, ah, is this the Lord? So I want to look at, uh, with you at, uh, at one person, Moses, and I want to start in the book of Acts. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. It's Acts chapter 7. Moses is not in Acts. I know that, okay, in <laughs> case okay, so you wondered. Um, But Stephen talks about Acts, or talks about Moses in the book of Acts. And there's this phrase in here, this sentence that I want you to hear. So um, we're going to start in verse 23. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his fellow Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. Do you have that experience when God speaks to you? So he thought, he knew he was going to be the deliverer. He knew that from a young age. He's going to be the deliverer. And, and so he says, oh, it's my chance. Let me kill this guy. Okay? It wasn't, it wasn't God's timing or God's way. Okay? But he did it. And then the people, his own people, didn't believe it. They, they're like, no. So this is what happens, right? The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting, and he tried to reconcile them by saying, men, your brothers, why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you the ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And when Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. How long was he in Midian? Forty years. So he was 40 years old when that happened. And then he stayed in Midian for 40, 40 years. Now, let's go back to Exodus, where we really have the story. I just love that one phrase that said, They didn't understand that this is what God was doing. They didn't believe him. He's saying, this is what God said to me. And that happens to us. When God speaks to you, you, you okay. And then you say to somebody else, and they go, no, not hearing that. Okay? So eight years ago, God spoke to me and said, go to Uganda. And um, uh, Moses now, in chapter three, uh, he's been there for 40 years now in Midian. He's like, okay, I'm done. I'm done with whatever God asked me to do. Have you done that before? God asks you to do something, you're like, eh, yeah. no, it didn't work out. So that's, that's where he's at now. So in chapter 3, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why, why the bush doesn't burn up now did Moses see that it was God? He did not he said, oh, there's a bush that's not burning up that's weird, never seen that okay He wasn't going, oh, it's God, it's the pri-. no forty years this guy has has walked around and he he just doing what he does I'm never going back i didn't i obviously didn't hear God right, okay, have you ever done that Yes, okay, so He's 80 years old now. He sees the sight. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. (laughs) Okay, I'm right here. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses said, yes. No, he didn't. Moses hid his face because he was afraid. Okay? That's me. Is that you? Okay? God says, here's what I'm going to do. You go, yes, you go and try to do it. It doesn't work. Okay? So then you go hide for 40 years. And then God appears to you, and then you hide again. Because you're like, eh, I don't know about this. All right? He hid his face. He's afraid. Then in verse 11, it says, so now go, God says, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? What do you suppose he's thinking about there? I tried that once. It didn't work. Okay. I can't, Remember when I killed that guy? Yeah. Okay. And God's like, no, that's where I'm sending you to. And God said to him, so Moses says, who am I that I should go? And God says, I will be with you. That's it. That's the promise. I will be with you. This morning I was, uh, I am staying with the Crustmans while I'm here in town, and um. I was up early and praying, and I said, Lord, I just want you to to touch my heart today, to touch our hearts, all of our hearts. I was so excited to be with all of you uh, today, and I want you to touch him, and the Lord just said this to me, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. I like that. As long as he's with me, I'm okay. Are you okay? Even if nothing ever happens, okay? God is with me. That's a wonderful thing. I'll be with you. You know, there's always a time lapse in when God says something to you and then when he does it. Have you noticed that? Okay. If God speaks to me, I think he's going to do it tomorrow. Today would even be better, right? <laughs> Are you with me? Okay. So um, Abraham, from the time Abraham got the promise until, it was, until the child was born was 25 years. 25 years? You know, the, the church I pastor of their new life, there's nobody older than 31, I think, there. So when I say something like this, they're like, 25 years? <laughs> wow okay it's a long a long space of time joseph listen to these scriptures this is from genesis starting in in chapter 37 and um joseph's dream so joseph a young man of 17 was tending the flocks with his brothers and joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers they hated him he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up, stood upright, and your sheaves all gathered around and bowed down to me. hmm Nice to say to your older brothers. Okay? And then, uh, then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. Oh, he's excited. This is great, okay? And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Hmm. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him, okay? People don't always believe what you hear from God. Is that true? Okay. And then if you flip over to chapter 41, you get uh, where, where, so there's a lot in between there. Those of you who know the story, you know that he goes to jail. His brothers sell him to some Egyptian traders. So... um, In 41, it says, So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Okay, this is the fulfillment of the dream, and you know the rest of the story. And it says Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh. He had the dreams when he was 17. The fulfillment was when he was 30. How many years is that? 13. 13 years. God told me this, and everything in his life went wrong up to that point. If you read the story, you'll see it. Put in jail. Lord, I thought you said... I thought that dream was from you, right? If you haven't experienced that yet, just wait. Um, Moses, 40-plus years, from the time that he knew until the time that it's actually fulfilled, and he's afraid in the midst of it. Faith, I teach this in, in Uganda to, to the people at the church there. Faith means to listen, believe, obey. It's very simple. Listen to God. What is he saying? Believe him. Okay, Lord. That's what you said, and then walk it out each day. What is God saying to you? So when you know, eight years ago, when I heard the Lord say to go to Uganda, I had no idea what that would mean. I had no idea what would be next and next and next. And now uh, we're going to look at some pictures. There's there's a, a thriving church uh, and a school. Let's let's go ahead and watch these pictures. The beginning. Do I need to move out of the way? Am I okay? Okay. All right. So this first picture, I'm not going to see them up there, right? Okay. This first picture is the, the first day we had church in Budaka. So there's 29 people, if you want to count them. There's 29. I'm the white one back, back there near the, the back there. Okay. So we had 29 people and about half of them were family members and friends and stuff, okay, who just came to help us start the church. Am I? What's that? Oh, thank you, so, We don't have all this kind of stuff in Uganda, so I don't know how to do this, okay? We're pretty simple over there. Now, that church is now between 350 and 400 people on Sunday morning. But we started here. The Lord said do a church. Okay, let's do a church. Next picture. Next. There we go. There's the beginning with our our 30 orphans when we started. Okay? And this is the, they're getting ready to go to school. And this is uh, in January, February, probably about around February of 2010, right? I think that's right. And there's Pastor Rogers, and there I am with our kids. Next. And this is, the Lord spoke to me at some point in that first year and said, I want you to do a Saturday school. So just have, do like a Sunday school, but for the community, the kids to come from the community. So I said to Pastor Rogers, how many kids do you think he'll come? He said, well, it'll be our 30 kids, and then maybe, maybe we'll have, I don't know, 10, 15 more kids. Uh-huh. That's just the first day. So, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't quite the number we thought. Um, and we, we, we actually played Duck, Duck, Goose with this group of kids. Yeah, um, and they they thought, this is the stupidest game they've ever seen before. To run around 300 kids, it gets you really hot. Anyway, <laughs> um, and we even made two groups, so there were 150 in each group. But anyway, so the Lord said do this. We did it, and it was really blessed. It was a wonderful time with kids, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Next, and then we built a building, and many of you were involved in this. You, you weren't over there with us. Some of you were. Some of you work. <laughs> but um, we began building a building for their school. They now have a school of about 500 kids, okay? Um, and this, this was the beginning of it as we were beginning to build. Next. And then you sent people over. Do you know anybody in that picture besides me? There's another white person in the picture. <laughs> That's Kayla. And Kayla and Nick came. Nick was working on the building while we were just cutting hair. <laughs> we were having fun while they were building. And... Um, so Kayla came and I said, could you bring your scissors and cut my hair too? <laughs> and so she did. The kids thought it was fascinating because they just get their head buzzed. So they thought it was really fascinating how you cut hair and stuff. So they were, they're all there. So you guys sent two teams of people. This was the first team that came. Notice there's no pictures of you guys building, just of us cutting hair. Okay, And next picture shows Ann there. And we, we were all there together. This is the second team that came. And they did some pastor's conferences for us. And here we are at church, at the end of church. Next. <laughs> They're bumping, bumping hands with the kids there. Next. And this is the last uh, thing that we did with the kids uh, before I left Budaka. Abby was with us. I think you were taking—you must have been taking the picture because I don't see you there. Um, but we had a picnic. They'd never been on a picnic before, so we had—we went out to this place and did a picnic. And that was the last thing we did with the kids. And then I came home for rest, not knowing what was next. Okay, Lord, I've done this. I turned the work over. We had—we uh, had started seven different businesses during the course of the four years that I was there, and—and um, and the, it was completely self-supporting at that point. And then we, I moved west to Fort Portal. So I came back and I, I went to Eugene instead of coming here because my parents were getting older and I knew I needed to be around them. So I went to Eugene and I went to a four-square church there. Now, when I go to a church and I'm just visiting, it's not like you guys because you know me, but they don't know me. I don't take my Bible or anything and I go incognito because I just want to be there. I just want to worship the Lord. I don't want anybody to bug me because I'm the missionary, you know, all that kind of stuff. Okay? So... I go to this church and I'm like, oh good, I can just hide. So I'm just sitting there. I just I, I go out, you know, I come in late, leave early, just want to worship the Lord with you. Okay. Second week I'm there, this picture comes up of you gun and pastor. And I'm like, Oh, brother. Okay. So then I have to let them know who I am and then and then they said, Oh, would you go to Fort Portal for us? And I'm like, Okay, well, this, you know, okay, Lord, is this what you're doing? So I went back, and, and I went to Fort Portal, which is over on the west. It's about 10 hours from Budaka by driving. It's really only about three hours if you could drive like we do here. Okay. <laughs> Next picture. So we started a bakery. That was the first thing we did is start a bakery. I learned some things from the first time, and so I put it into a different kind of a different order than what we had done before. So we started this bakery. That's Agnes in the middle. She was one of our first employees. She's not with us anymore, but Gerald's on the left and he's our manager at the bakery. And I brought him from the east to come over. And we started in this little teeny place with a funky curtain behind us. And um, and then after about a year, we moved into a new place. Next picture. And we got this place, so we're in the bottom two, the right-hand uh, uh, window, and then the doorway. There, that's how big our place is down there. And um, next picture, there's my staff today. So I employ five people full time there, and then one more full time at home, and then two part-time people who work with us for different things. And um, I should say we employ because y'all are a part of it. Okay, I can't do this by myself. All right, you all can come anytime. Um, anyway, but you're all part of this, okay? So um, this is Dan on the right. He's the assistant manager. Um, Dan has a degree in statistics, but there are no jobs. So I was just telling somebody out there, last year 40,000 people graduated from universities in Uganda, and there are 8,000 jobs. There's just, there's just no work there. So Dan is thrilled to be the manager, assistant manager at a bakery, even though he has a degree in statistics. Okay, and I, by the way, I use that degree, so he does a lot of our <laughs> stuff for us. But, and then Gerald is next. Gerald's the manager there, and he, I knew him back in Budaka. He was working for us in Budaka, too. And then Florence is behind him back there. And then Shireen, that's a boy's name there. Shireen is in the front there in the yellow shirt, and then Monica is right in front of me. Um, <clears throat> so that's my staff at the bakery. Those five are full-time at the bakery. Next. There are some of the things we make, some cupcakes. Very interesting, Um, some of you know my mom died last year um, in April, and um, my mother was an amazing cook. So she had all these cookbooks. So I took back this cookbook with these kind of, uh, the way that they decorate cakes. I took it back, it's from the 50s, but they're learning from it and learning how to make pretty designs like this on top of the cupcakes and cakes. It's really cool. Next. There's our display cases, so on the right is all of our cookies, and on the left is scones and cinnamon rolls. We have about 50-somethings we make now, and we display at any one time. We display 20, I think we can display up to 28 of them, Um, and we have lots of cakes and stuff like that. So that's the bakery. Next. And this, some of you know about this. We have, um, I kept talking to people who came into the bakery, and they were from all over the world, and Probably, we're guessing around 55 to 60% of the people who come in are Ugandan. But the rest are from other countries. And so I, I was talking to him. I said, it might be interesting for everybody else to see this, too. So what we did is we, uh, I got a map of the world last time I was home. You can't buy a map of the world there because they're not accurate. So <laughs> it's Uganda. So I, bought, I brought a map from here. And when people are there, if they'd like to, they put a pin in their country, they put, and, the, and then we get a, a string for them, and it goes out to their name, the date, and then we take this down every six months, because it gets really full. And Uganda's a little teeny country, it's only about that big up on the map, so it got overwhelmed. So now we have a Uganda uh, map over here, too, and they, they can put their names what district they're from, because was, there's was too many of them to go in there. Um, but we, since January 1st this year, we've had people from 30 different countries come in, to the bakery. I never knew we would have that kind of effect or that kind of ministry besides all the other things that we're doing. But it's very, very fun. We have um, people from Israel come at least three to four a week. We have Israelites uh, come in and Israelis um, come in. And they, um, at, so when they go to after uh, high school, they have to give two years of service to the army. And after that, then the, the um, Israeli government gives them money to go travel or go to school or whatever they want. And many of them travel, and they come to Uganda because it's not very expensive to travel there. And we're on their websites, so they they always come in and go, "Yeah, we read about you guys. They said to come here if you want good food when you're in Fort Portal." So they come. We're in the Brat Guide now, which is a um, a, it's a tour guide or a uh, tour guide kind of thing in the UK, and the guy came in to the bakery one day, and he just had stuff, and then he said, you know, we've heard about you, and I'm from the Brat Guide, can we put you in our guide? And I'm like, okay. And so we've got like a paragraph like this about our food and stuff, and people come, and they've got their little Brat and they're like, they told us to come here, that you have really good stuff. So we're, <laughs> we're on these different sites. We're on the Spanish, we're on a Spanish uh, website. Anyway, um, so people come like this, as you can see, and um, I just just the week before I left, I was sitting and this young man came in and he, he, they always come over. They find me and they come over because they find out I'm the owner. And so they come and sit with me. Really, you're all the owner. So I always think that when I'm sitting there. Yeah, I'm the owner. But there's all these people back there that actually own this. OK, where are you? Why aren't you doing your time? That's what I want. OK, so anyway, I'm sitting there. This guy comes over. He's from Slovenia. I'm like, I don't even know where Slovenia is. So as soon as he left, I went over to the map oh, there it is. There's Slovenia, okay? So he had heard about us from the Brat Guide also. All right, next. New Life Church begins. And this was the Bible study that we started the church out of. And that's, Gerald is in the white shirt. He's the manager. And he, so he had come over. And then Charles is standing up, and uh, Nicholas is sitting down there in the green shirt. And Nicholas taught this morning at church. He already, he texted me and said, I think I did okay. You know, there's that faith thing, right, that feels really weak. He said, I think I did okay. He didn't tell me what he taught about, so I can't say whether he did or not. But this is the Bible study, so this is where we started from. And then, next, here's our sign, and that's the road, that's sucker Road. If you ever come visit, just come down Saka Road, okay? It's a really bad road. You can pray that they fix it. That would be really nice. Um, and then they come, and you see the sign, and you come down to where my house is. Next, and there's the building we have church in, the thatched roof building. And um, that, we don't have to have sides there because it's warm, okay? So um, that's where we have church. And I want to tell you a story about this building. Some of you know this because you've been around for a while, but I want to tell, for those of you who don't know, um, I was looking for a place. I was living with another missionary for a year. And then I knew we needed to find a place because we were moving into this new place for sweet aromas and I need a place to bake and all that kind of stuff. So um, I had been looking at places for a while, and they were all around 800000 900000 a month, which is um, about $300, not quite $300 a month. And I, I was like, Lord, I don't have any furniture. I don't have a refrigerator, I, you know, for myself. I don't, we had one for the, for the bakery, but nothing. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't even have a bed. I had a desk. It's not real helpful when you move into a house to just have a desk, right? So the Lord, um, I was praying one night, and the Lord said, I'm going to surprise you. And I don't know about you, but I've had some surprises from Lord, and I didn't like them very well. <laughs> okay? All right. But the Lord said, I'm going to surprise you, and I'm like, okay. And, and you don't know his timing. Maybe he's going to surprise you in five years, you know, or 25 years, or something like that. So I'm like, ah, okay. Well, the next morning, the boys who, they're, they're, they call them boys until they're married. There, Okay, these guys are in their 20s. But, so the boys called me and said, we want to show you another place. I'm like, Okay. So they take me, and I come down to these beautiful, ornate, black gates. And I just turn to them, and I said, I can't afford it. And they said, no, just wait, just wait, just wait. I said, okay. So it's not about an acre of land. So we come through the gates, and I see this thing first. And the Lord speaks to me, and he said, that's the church. And I'm like, I can't afford it. And I <laughs> kept going, and the house was right behind there. Five bedrooms, four bathrooms, flushing toilets, whoa, and a water heater. I know, it doesn't always work, but a water heater, okay? And, and the Lord said to me, that's your home, this is the church, and that's where you're going to bake, the garage. And we've renovated the garage to do that. So I'm like, hmm. So I, talk, I sit down and talk to the guy, and I, I'm still like, I know I can't afford this. And I sit down, his name's Bonnie, so I sat down with Bonnie, and he said, you know, it's going to be a million a month. Like, oh, every other place I looked at had no land around it, nothing. And I'm like... That's only 100000 more than $30, more than what I was hearing before. And then he said, but there's one thing that you, you have to agree to. And I'm like, okay. He said, I have to leave all the furniture in here. Because I have no place to put it. And I have to leave the refrigerator. And I have to leave the stove. And I have to leave all the sheets for the beds. I just have no place to put anything. And then I heard the Lord say, are you surprised? <laughs> Okay, totally surprised. Okay, wonderful, wonderful things. So I've been there for two and a half years now. Um, so we have church right there on the grounds. Next, this is Yasin, and Yasin is a worship leader. Yasin has AIDS. He was born with AIDS, and, and no parents. He's he's been an orphan. He uh, he's in his early twenties now. And he, um, he is responsible for his family. So I know his family, his, other, his sister and his brother also. He takes care of them. But he leads worship for us. He plays a keyboard. Next, there's people at the church um, just sitting and listening. Next, this is Anne, who's from Kenya. And she and her husband have a, um, a restaurant in town. And she uh, was teaching that day. She's a wonderful teacher. They're really mature Christians, which I have mostly young Christians. So it's very nice to have some older people who can help the younger ones along. Next. And that's Nicholas. And Nicholas was teaching this morning, but this isn't from this morning. This is from some time ago. So I'm training them um, how to lead the church, how to teach, how to lead worship, that kind of thing. Next. Um, sometimes we get sent out. So Pastor Balin, who is who uh, comes to the church sometimes, most of the time, um, uh, he uh, asked us to come out. This is a church that he works with, and he asked us to come out and teach there. So I go out and teach out in the. This is about an hour away from where we live. You see the mud hut and the 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 ceiling or the um, the top doesn't even meet the sides. Can you see that? So this is a church in Uganda. Next, Outreaches of New Life. And so, about um, probably four or five months ago, one of my board members wrote to me and said, I. I just feel like you're supposed to do something with kids, and I'm like, okay, I'm really busy, but okay, Lord, what do you want us to do? And I felt like do a we call them kids crusades out in the out in the uh, villages. So I said to uh, Nicholas, can we come out to your village? That's Nicholas's house is right back over there. And so can we come out to your village? He said, yes, the kids would love it. So we go out, we do two hours with them. We do Bible stories, games, um, craft project, and tell them about Jesus. And so he said, we're going to have about 30 kids. And then he called me and said, well, it's going to be more like 100 kids. Well, we had 200. This is driving in. And I'm like, "Okay, that doesn't look like 30 kids to me. It looks like a lot more than that. Um, And they were really excited. The next picture shows them making friendship bracelets. So this is the last. We went to Kiboha again. Um, about uh, six weeks ago now. And so we made. We talked about being friends with Jesus and being friends with each other. What, what's a good friend like? So we made these friendship bracelets. And I, I found the yarn for these one day before the thing. I, I could never find yarn. And somebody said, oh, I know where you can get it. And they told me. And I went there. So I'm cutting bracelets for five hours. I'm cutting bracelets before we go so that they have it all the right. And then they, they, they got to make a bracelet for their friend and put it on their friend. Next picture. More bracelet making. Next, making bracelets, and this is Gerald and Dan making, helping the kids. Uh, we had to teach Dan how to braid, never braided before, okay, but Gerald had, Dan grew up in Kampala in the big city, and his his auntie and uncle, he's an orphan, but his auntie and uncle had a lot of money, so compar- comparatively, and so Gerald grew up way out in the village, and they make their own ropes, so he knew how to, how to do the braiding because of making ropes, Okay, so they were doing braiding with the kids next, and we give them a cup of juice and a little uh, package of uh, crackers—very small little package of crackers—and they always come up like this little girl. They get on their knees and say, "Thank you, Pastor Lori, for a cup of juice." (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) For one cup of juice, I love this little girl's expression. Okay, and next, and then, uh, girls, this always happens. And you got, can we model for for the picture? Okay, so they're modeling for you. <laughs> okay. And then uh, before you start the I think the video is next, am I right? Okay. So this is the the end of the, the time when we're talking to them about Jesus and leading them in their relationship into a relationship. If you want to say yes, Jesus, I want his love. You repeat after me. Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you that you gave your life for me. And now, Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I love you, Lord. And I want to follow you. Okay, that's Aisha, who's one of the leaders in the church. So one of the things I'm also doing is is teaching people how to work with children. They have no idea. Their children are basically throwaways there, and nobody really builds relationship, including their parents, builds relationship with them. So teaching my people how to love children and how to work with children is very fun to do. So what's new there? Well, we're doing these Kids Crusades. As you can see, we're doing one a month of the Kids Crusades. Um, Another thing about... Uh, I don't know, three or four months ago, the Lord said to me, you need to start praying for your uh, neighbors. Now, I pray for Fort Portal all the time, and I pray for Uganda, but I had, I don't know, you guys are probably way ahead of me on this. I just never thought about praying for my neighbors. So I said, okay. So I started praying for my neighbors. Well, within a week of that time, three neighbors stopped me as I'm coming out. I've been there two years, and I've never met the neighbors, okay? Three neighbors come, and they start talking to me. One of them's name is Juliet. She comes to the church all the time now. She's she loves the Lord. She said, Pastor Lori, can I can I share a song with you? And I I said okay. And she sings a song. She goes, the Lord gave that to me when I was sixteen. I I I'm, have you ever talked to anybody in Uganda that talks like that? They they just don't talk like that. But she has a very real relationship with Jesus. She doesn't know the word very well, so now she's learning. And her her husband. This is very funny. Her husband said to her you need to keep going to that church, (laughs) okay? like to tell our our spouses, don't we? You need to keep going to that church because that woman teaches the word. He came once with her. He's a Catholic. He goes to the Catholic church. He sings in their choir, so he only comes to New Life every other week. But he said, Juliet, you need to stay there and learn the word. And he's coming and learning the word, too. So really fun. Neighbors. Um, Sweet Aromas, you know, the 30 countries since January 1st, training these young men to uh, be able to take the business at some point. And then uh, New Life, training people who are there. There's four things I know that the Lord has told me that I haven't seen happen there yet. Four things. First one is there's gonna be a place for sweet aromas. I know that. I know that. I know it in my heart, but it's one of those very weak things. Faith feels weak, okay? I know it. And, and I put the word out starting, oh, last year in January, I said, you know, this is what the Lord's doing. If you wanna give to this. So I just want you to know we have a resounding $350 in that account, okay? It's not gonna build a building, All right? But God said to do it. I know what's going to happen. I just don't know how. I, I don't know what's going to happen next, okay? God said, there's going to be a place for sweet aromas, your own place, and not renting. Second thing, there's going to be a pastor for new life. I haven't seen. I keep thinking, oh, maybe it's Nicholas. Maybe it's Gerald. Maybe it's Aisha. And each one of them falls through, and I'm like, oh, okay, Lord, I, I know you said you're going to give us a pastor. It's not going to always be me. I have to train somebody to do this. That's what we're doing. That's what I'm doing there. So I know there's going to be a pastor. Third thing, I know there's going to be a school there. We're going to have a preschool where children learn to love Jesus and to think critically. They don't teach critical thinking in Uganda. And I, I, I want to start from the very earliest age to begin to, to teach people the children how to think critically. Number four is we're going. I'm going to turn the business at some point over to Gerald and maybe Dan, um, maybe the two of them together. But they have to be able to handle finances. Right now, I can't. They have no idea how much money is in the bank. If I told them how much money is in the bank, guess what? They'd spend it all. Okay, because that's the Ugandan way of doing things. If you have money, spend it. Okay, and they don't think, oh, I got to pay rent in two months. Okay, we pay rent once once a year. Um, they have to be growing in their relationship with God. They have to be knowing how to prepare for the future. Those kind of things, and I'm waiting to see those things happening in them, so that I can turn the business over to them. I know that's going to happen at some point. But all those four things seem really weak to me right now. Seems like it'll never happen. But I've walked through enough in the last eight years to see God do these amazing things that He's done as you've seen what's happened. Hebrews 11, one says this, faith is being sure of what you're not sure of. Faith is being sure of what you're not sure of. That's really what we're called to do, to listen, to believe, to obey God. It's the same for all of you in your lives, okay? It's just in a diff- at a different place. So my question to the Lord each morning is, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Because I know if I do what he asked me to do today, tomorrow I'll be ready for whatever's the next day. And it's the same for you, okay? Listen, believe, obey. Let's pray. Father, I pray for all of us. I pray, Jesus, that we would learn this lesson of listening, believing, obeying you, of walking out whatever you give us to do, Lord, that day so that we can be where we need to be. Lord, you you had it designed for me to be in Budaka. You had it designed for for this church to be a part of that whole work to send teams over, Lord, and to be a part of building the school, all the things that you've done there, Lord. You have it designed that we would all be in relationship in Fort Portal now, Lord. You have Gerald who's growing in 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 knowing you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for each one of these who's here because you're doing the same things in their lives. Maybe they haven't seen the fulfillment yet, but God, you're doing something. And I pray that you would continue to do that in our lives, that we would continue to be faithful, to listen, to believe, and to obey you for the things you want to do. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen.